0: Next Sunday, we will welcome our choir back from their annual summer sabbatical. But during the weeks of summer, our hearts have certainly been lifted in powerful and beautiful ways by the solos and duets and quartets and all of the beautiful gifts of music which have been offered each week for which we can only say, A deep and heartfelt thanks be to God. The peace of our Lord be with you. you. If God should mark iniquities, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with God. With the Lord, there is steadfast love. The Lord will redeem us from all. Our sin. Those bright and shiny brand-new Bibles we just gave to Bess, Will, Lennon, Presley, Andrew, Watson, and Chesley are full of wonderful words of comfort and hope. Among the most wonderful and hopeful of which are those words from this morning's psalm, words which capture the grace-filled truth which travels at the center of the gospel of God, the truth that there is forgiveness with God and steadfast love to redeem us from all our iniquities. So says the psalmist, but not in a glib and easy sunny side of the street, anything goes kind of way. To the contrary, the psalmist' hopeful song of boundless grace rises from a deep and troubled place. From the depths, I cry, says the psalmist in verse 1. From the depths, Bible shorthand for the overwhelming anguish of a crushed and broken spirit. There are, needless to say, many reasons why people find themselves in the depths, most of which are out of our hands and beyond our control. More often than not, we find ourselves in the depths, of anguish and grief not because of anything anyone could have or should have done differently but because that is just the way our life has turned out. Some of the heaviest burdens we have ever seen are borne by some of the best people We have ever known the most blameless and righteous of people. Those who walk most closely with Jesus and live most fully with God find themselves in the depths of anguish and grief for reasons which are utterly out of their hands and beyond their control. But, in this morning's psalm, it appears that the one who wrote the psalm may be in the depth of overwhelming anguish, not because of some sorrow which was beyond his control, but rather because of some sin for which the psalmist himself is partially responsible. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, says the psalmist. And then in the very next breath, the psalmist says, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? Which is why almost all of the commentaries and scholars and folks who know say that when the psalmist, when the one who wrote Psalm 130 cries from the depths. In this case, the psalmist is calling to God from the depths of anguish Not because of a general sense of sadness or despair, but instead because of the specific grief of guilt. Because the psalmist just shifts immediately from, Oh Lord, I call to you from the depths. Lord, please let your ears be open to my prayer. To, if God should mark iniquities, who could stand? But then, just like that, the song shifts from guilt to grace. Not in a glib and easy, anything goes, nothing really matters kind of way, but in a broken voice which rises from the deepest depths, the psalmist's song shifts from guilt to grace. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But that's not how you do. You don't mark iniquities. Instead, there is forgiveness with you. And then the psalmist turns And invites the whole congregation to join in the joy of the love and forgiveness of God. When the psalmist says, O Israel, O everybody, hope with me in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love. God will redeem us all from all our sin. Isn't it odd that across the Christian centuries, the New Testament church has so often found it hard to let the love of God be as utterly unconditional as it is in that Old Testament song? Did you grow up as I did with this idea that in the Old Testament, God is harsh and stern and legalistic. And in the New Testament, God is full of grace. I, having now actually read the Bible for myself all the way through a few times, I don't even know how that idea ever got enough traction to take hold. Have you ever read the Bible? The Old Testament is full of these kinds of moments. When the love and forgiveness and grace of God are utterly unconditional. In fact, it is more our New Testament Christianity which has made the central truth of all that the right sacrifice of blood must be made before God can be forgiving, and the right response of faith must be made before we can be forgiven. It is more New Testament Christianity which has placed all of those conditions on the unconditional love of God. And we've done it with all the best of intentions. We don't know how else to incentivize people. If you let the unconditional love of, love of God be truly unconditional, then how do you incentivize people to do the right thing? And institutionally speaking, how do you incentivize people to convert to Christianity and join the church? If the Unconditional love really is that utterly unconditional. I I think we've spent 20 centuries putting conditions on the unconditional love of God with only the best of intentions. But the truth is, the church of Jesus Christ cannot incentivize people with anything more or less than the truth. Even if the truth feels to us dangerous, the truth is still the truth. the truth in this morning's psalm is that there is forgiveness with God. Not because we are good, but because God is good. That there is steadfast love with God to forgive and redeem all of our sin. Oh, and even as you're saying that, you draw back from it, don't you? Because. Will someone interpret that to mean that anything goes and nothing matters? Will someone interpret that to mean that the love of God is so loving that it sweeps injustice under the rug and turns a blind eye to evil? No, no, a thousand times no. But, when all the sinning has been done, and all the judging has been done, and all the purging, and all the punishing, and all the cleansing and redeeming and reconciling has been done, and when all of the religions are finished and done, what we will be left with will be what we started with. The relentless love of God. We shall not cease from exploration. But the end of all of our exploring will be to arrive where we started and to know the place for the first time. When all of our saying and doing has been said and done, in the end, what we will be left with is the love and forgiveness of the Lord our God who knows us Understands us. Climbs down into the depths with us. And loves us relentlessly. That is the message of this morning's Old Testament song. And though there are plenty of other things that we need to and must talk about and think about, Every now and then, just every once in a while, the church needs to be at least as New Testament as this morning's Old Testament psalm. And with the psalmist, be content and happy to say that God is not keeping score on us, God is giving grace. To us. Even in all our complex and complicated brokenness, God loves us, no strings attached, and for reasons we will never begin to comprehend. God loves us so deeply, fully, and unconditionally that we will never fall beyond or slip. Beneath the unfailing grasp of the relentless grace of the Lord our God, whose name and nature is love.